Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Thank you, James. Hey, you can be seated tonight. Awesome. Yes, we did have an amazing time uh, over in the deep south in Alabama. And uh, we were there with, uh, with Pastor Johanna and uh, Kate Schuler as well. We had a good time. Uh, it was there for seven days, and uh, it was just amazing. Cool. It was great fun. I uh, mean, the Southerners, they eat some really cool food. I don't know how they stay healthy, uh, but they eat some good food, man. And uh, so we had a great time. Conference was awesome, refreshing, and, uh, but there's no place like home, isn't it? No place like coming back home and worshiping and being with your church family. It is just incredible. And uh, man, it was amazing tonight. But we're going to dive into uh, the Between the Flag series. And you know, last week, last Sunday night, last Sunday morning, Pastor Nick preached an amazing word on the non-negotiables when it comes to living between the flags. And, and Harry, man, preached an incredible word on rest in God last week. Who enjoyed that? enjoyed the messages. They were awesome. Let's give these guys a clap. They were phenomenal. If you didn't get to hear them, get onto the podcast, check it out. Uh, and uh, this morning we had Pastor Dave Schaefer, our guest speaker, preaching this morning on his journey of moving through grief. And uh, man, it was powerful. I encourage you this week, get on the podcast, uh, check it out. It is amazing. So we're going to dive into the Between the Flags kind of part two uh, next Sunday. And I just, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do even over this series, what He's already started, what He's going to do over this time. And, uh, but really what Between the Flags means is that when, you, when you're at the beach, uh, you head down to maybe King's Beach, uh, you know, uh, one of the beaches here in Caloundra. Caloundra is called the City of Beaches. And, uh, and, and you, you, you're allowed to swim between the flags. So the surf lifesavers put them out. And uh, the analogy that we are going for here is the fact that, how many know that when you swim the, between the flags, that's kind of the safe zone? It's a safe zone. Because, uh, you know, one time when I, when I first moved down to the Sunshine Coast, I was born in, born in North Queensland. I grew up there. And, uh, and the, the idea of a wave up there is like three centimeters high. Like it is like no waves at all. So coming down here, I had to learn the surf. And, um, and, and so uh, I remember one time I was like 22 at the time. I turned 40 in about three weeks, but I was 22 back then. And, um, and, and what happened was is that I was with a group of, you know, young adult crew from the church and we we just finished work for the day and I'm like man let's go to the beach let's just jump in the water it is so it was like middle of summer stinking hot and uh, we went down to the beach but it was kind of one of those stormy days and the surf was just insane just crazy not good surf where you can actually bodyboard and get out and have fun it was just manic it was just waves crashing everywhere. The waves had no sets to them. It was just stupid, okay? And like the surf lifesavers were smart. So they didn't put the flags out. And me and about four other young adult crew, we're down there like, I don't care that the flags aren't out. We're going in this water. I'm so hot today. And, uh, and so 
what we did, you know, stupidly, uh, we, we, we jumped into the ocean and it's like, man, there were like three meter high waves. It was crazy. And I'm like, man, what are we doing in here? I wasn't that hot, you know. And uh, suddenly, you know, this wave just crashes on me and one of, the, and one of my friends. And, um, and we end up coming up after about being a minute under the water. And we are about 150 meters out in, into the sea. And we, we, it's like, uh, ever been in a rip? You ever felt like what it feels like? It's like it's just taking you. You can't do anything about it. And uh, we looked at each other and we're like, we're in a rip. And I'm like, yeah, we're in a rip for sure. Yeah. And uh, so we just keep going and start, we know, okay, just start swimming to the side. And we start swimming to the side. Uh, we are drifting, going further and further out. And I've got to tell you, it took us five, 600 meters away. And uh, we're swimming and swimming, trying to get, the, it was crazy waves. And, um, and we finally got caught a wave because I'm, I'm at this point, I'm starting to get tired. I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but I'm starting to get tired. I'm like, Jesus, help us help us. We have no surfboard. We've got nothing here. And uh, the, the guy that was with me, he's like, Jesus, help us too. And he, he's praying. And, uh, and, and we finally catch this wave and it takes us in. How many know prayer works? It works. You know, thank you, Jesus. I knew there was a wave just for us. And uh, took us in and, uh, and I got out. And, and how many know that day I had a newfound respect for the flags? I just honored the surf lifesavers so much more, the respect for them saying, we're not putting out the flags today. But you know, uh, the flags are there to keep us from going adrift. They're there to keep us from the rips and, and, uh, and to keep us from those, those, that crazy, you know, uh, upturning water uh, that if you're not a strong swimmer or you're not a surfer, you just don't know how to navigate. And, uh, and so, you know, when it comes to between the flags, when it comes to our inner world, the Bible talks about our inner man as being our, our heart, our mind, our will, our emotions. So that makes up our inner world. So whenever the Bible talks about your heart or talks about your mind, it's really speaking of the inner man, the inner you. Okay, And, uh, and so a lot of times that is the state of our soul. And see, our soul can get out of whack at times when it's, when it's out of position and we are maybe out of position, and we feel like we're being taken adrift by a rip. And, uh, and what I want to talk about tonight is there's, there's, there's something that, that really, uh, you know, the devil tries to use to speak into our lives so that not only uh, we're feeling out of position, but he tries to keep us out of position from God. And that is our past. That's our past issues our past mistakes, uh, the things, the past sins in our lives that we have done, where the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So he is there all day trying to remind you of how you have done so much wrong that you can't be in the presence of God. That's what he, that's what he does, okay? And so uh, what it is, is that a lot of times there's people that are trying to take, kind of swim between the flags and, 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 and getting their life right with Jesus and right with God. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the enemy tries to remind them, you can't get closer to God. You can't be near Him. You can't serve in that way. You can't be on that team. Look at what you did. Look at what you used to be. Look at what used to go on with, with your life. Look at the choices that you made. Look at how you hurt other people. Look at how, what you did with your life. See, the devil doesn't want to remind you that Jesus can set you free. He wants to remind you of your past. 
He wants to remind you of how much you shouldn't be in the presence of God and how your life can get caught adrift going off from the position you're called to be. And see, the first thing I want us to remind us tonight when it comes to being and living between the flags for our soul's sake and our life's sake before God is God wants us free of our past. He wants us free of our past. Because can I let you know tonight, everyone's got a past. I've got a past. Everyone in this auditorium tonight has a past. We've got good things and we've got things we regret in our lives. Everybody does. And see, the devil is the accuser of the brethren trying to remind us with guilt and shame of our past. But Jesus is trying to let us know that, hey, everything that I've done for you has set you free. And you can come into my presence and I can make you whole and heal you and help your soul to come to a place of wholeness and peace in your life. Where your past doesn't dictate to you anymore, but but what I speak to you, what my Bible says and my word says about you, that begins to dictate to your life and your future of who I've called you to be. The devil's trying to derail or, or get people off in rips and, 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 ta- and crash in waves around their lives so that they won't live to the destiny that's over their life. But Jesus is there trying to remind us today, hey, you've got a call. You've got a destiny and I want you to live in that place. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. I have called you to live in this place with me. I want to let you know tonight, everyone has a purpose from God. Every single person in this place. And God wants us free from our past so that we can live to the future He has for us. You know, there's a man in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, by the name of David. And, uh, and David was a great king. Almost him and his son Solomon were probably one of the best kings that ever lived outside of Jesus. Uh, he was just a phenomenal king. God had anointed him. Uh, and the Bible actually says that David was, had such a heart for God that, that it says that he, had a, he was a man after God's own heart. Is that a pretty cool statement to be said about your life? Is that you are a man or you are a woman after God's own heart. What a great statement to be said about you. So David, being this man that was a worshiper, I mean, he was, he, David was, was one of those five talent people. You know those five talent people? They're just good at everything. Everything, they can preach, they can dance, they can sing, you know, they can, they can do everything. Like they, you know, they, it's just like they're this five talent type person, okay? And, uh, and David was one of those guys. He was just gifted in so many ways. But we see here that at one point in his life, he made a pretty monumental mistake, okay? He's a king. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel, and we're not going to go to this story, but I'm going to tell you what happened in the story, is that it says this as it leads into the chapter, that David was on the top of the rooftop of his house in the time when the kings go out to war. So first of all, that one verse and that one scripture shows us that David is not swimming between the flags. David is out of position, swimming away, you know, into the rip, and because uh, he's out of place, he's out of position. When the kings go out to war, so what it meant was is that all the other kings of the other nations they're out at war, and he's at home, and his generals out doing the job for him. Okay, so he's at home chilling, watching Netflix, hanging out, you know, and he's on the rooftop one day, and the Bible says that's where you know this is where temptation happens because he's got apathy in his life. Okay, and so what happens is, is that he notices a beautiful young lady who is taking a shower, bathing, 
and, uh, and it catches his eye, the Bible says, because he's out of position with God. All right? And so what happens is that one moment that lust gets a hold of his life, and he calls to this woman, he sends his servants to go and get her, and he, he literally has an affair, sleeps with this woman, and, uh, and this whole cycle of events begins to happen with his life from there on. Uh, he, she gets pregnant. I mean, tell, talk about days of our lives. The Bible, just read the Bible, man. Like this stories in there. Like, dude, what a knucklehead. How did you get into this mess? You know? And, uh, and so suddenly he's in this situation where she's pregnant. You know, he's supposed to be at war, yet her husband is at the front lines in the battle. He calls for him to come home and he's like, oh man, how do I get him to just stay the night with his wife so no one works out that it was, it's me and, and all this stuff. And the dude is so honorable, he won't go to let, stay with his wife that night because all of his mates are out at war and they don't get to be with their family. He's like, oh, what a night to be honorable. Gosh, just go home. So he tries to get him drunk, tries to send him home, still sleeps outside the house and like God's, how many of God's got David's number? He ain't going to let him get off that easy. And, uh, and so, so what happens is, is that David lies, cheats, does all this stuff and eventually sends uh, the man, his name's Uzzah, to the front lines and he gets killed. He literally has him killed. Okay, so here's David, a man after God's own heart, has made a monumental mistake. He gets found out by the, a man, a prophet by the name of Nathan who, who comes in creatively and tells him a story about a, a man who had this little ewe lamb and, and there was a, his neighbor who had wealth of cattle and sheep and all this stuff and a friend came knocking one night for, for a meal and instead of going and getting one of his own sheep, he goes and gets this, this man who was poor, his only little ewe lamb and kills it and feeds it to his friend. All right, and he's like, and David stands up and he's in huffing and puffing and he's like, man, man, who is this guy? Send him to me, send him to me. And Nathan's like, okay, I'll just let you know that man's you. That was you. And God told me what you did. And David's like, oh, bam, he gets found out with all the things he's done wrong. Okay, and, uh, and how many know there's, there's such guilt, there's such shame in the midst of sin, isn't there? in the midst of a mistake, in the midst of our past. And this is what David said in Psalm 51. What a beautiful psalm it is. This is how he begins to pour out his heart before God. And he says this, Psalm 51 verses 1 to 3, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. See, that's an amazing statement, that last statement. My sin is always before me. See, what David was saying was, my sin is plaguing me because of the mistake that I've made. The shame, the guilt, my sin is always before me. It's on my mind. I cannot sleep. I have no peace in my life because of my monumental mess up in my life. And so he, he's feeling the guilt. He's feeling the shame. He's feeling the condemnation that's coming over his life. My sin is always before me. And so his heart is poured out to God and saying, Lord, will you forgive me? Lord, will you let me, let me know your forgiveness, know your freedom? And I want to let you know tonight that there is freedom 
and there is life, and there is restoration, and there is hope and peace found only in Jesus Christ. See, no matter what we have done or, or, or how far we think we've gone from God or gone adrift from God, Jesus is waiting there to bring us back. It's not like he's just waiting between the flags. I want to let you know that Jesus will swim in the rip to find you. He will, get, he will dive into the craziest waters to come get you. I remember one time when I was a kid and, and, and in North Queensland, they have flash flooding up there. And, and me and my little brother, we're swimming away. I'm 10 years old and he's seven years old. And we're swimming in this beautiful stream in this creek. And then out of nowhere, uh, this flash flood comes. And like, I, it was crazy. And my mom and dad, they were up on a ledge up top having cups of coffee with their friends. And, uh, and, and my dad hears it. And he knows straight away, it was God. He knew. He stood up and he knows that is a flash flood. That's not thunder. They could hear the roar of it coming down the mountains. And so he, he yells to us from the top. And my mom, she can, man, she can yell, my mom. She's like, get out of the water. And I'm like, no. I'm swimming. It's hot. Get out of the water. And, like, and, I, and I look up and I see this massive wall of water. There's trees, there's rocks, there's everything in it, and it's coming for us. So I jump out of the water on one side. My little brother, he's so scared, he jumps out on the wrong side uh, of the river. And, uh, and this thing just rushes through. Our lives get saved, honestly, in that moment. And I remember my dad uh, in that moment. You know, my brother's crying on the He's seven years old. He's just weeping on the other side of the bank. He thinks he's never getting home, you know. And... Uh, you know, mate, like, that's the same age as my son, Riley. And I can imagine him just being like that. And, uh, and, and so my dad dives into the water without thinking. Just jumps in. Jumps into the water. Finally gets some grounding on the ground. And he walks over. And he picks up my brother and carries him back. And there's a great picture in this is that that's exactly what Jesus does. Sometimes we feel, man, I'm out of position I jumped out on the wrong side of the river. Everyone jumped out there. How come I'm always not getting this right? Come on, who's ever felt that? How come I'm not how can I keep getting tempted all the time? How come this keeps happening in my world? And then I want to let you know there's nothing that can happen in your life. There's nowhere that you can go. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. He will go anywhere to find you. He'll meet you out in the ocean. And you thought, man, I'm gone adrift. He'll come and grab you, put you on his back, and he'll swim you back. See, that is the heart of our loving Savior. That's the heart of Jesus to restore us. I love this, I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says this, I believe that as often as I transgress, God is more ready to forgive me than I am ready to offend. As often as I sin. God's more ready to forgive than I'm ready to offend. See, that's the heart of a loving father. That's the heart to jump in the water and come find us and come bring us home. See, the enemy tries to tell us you can't come home. God doesn't want you. The community doesn't want you. People don't want you. But that is a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus is prepared to jump in the water and come get you and bring you home. See, our past tries to dictate our future, but Jesus wants us free of our past. 
Hebrews 9, 14 says this, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. See, sometimes we think, man, I've done far too much. What do I have to do to get back to that place with God? Sometimes we think, I've got to do my bit. I've got to do my penance first to get back into that place with God. I remember talking to a very close person. It's actually a relative in my life. Years ago, Kate and I were ministering into her life, and and she had been away from God for a long, long time. And, uh, and, And we just sat with her, I remember, for hours and just talking to her about the gospel and, and Jesus and how God wanted to just get a hold of her life again because she grew up in church, but she had gone away and she said, I, I can't come back. I can't come back. I said, why? Why? She said, they'll judge me. They'll judge me for the things I've done wrong. They'll judge me for my mistakes. I said, you're not seeing this right. I said, no one wants to judge you for what you've done wrong. And if anyone wants to judge you, I got to let you know, man, maybe they need a little bit of a touch of the grace of God themselves to understand how much they've been forgiven of. At the end of the day, we just want your home. We just want your home. Oh, you don't understand. No, you go back. I guarantee you, even if there's one or two around that thinks, man, where have you been? You know, don't worry about those people because the rest of us, we love you. And we want you home. And, and she did. She came back. She found Jesus. She got her life right with Christ again. Going on with God today. See, sometimes we can think, man, my past, my past, my, it's blocking me. It can't bring me forward. But, but it's, it's what Jesus has done. It's not what we can do that gives us access. None of us are good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. None of us will measure up. To the goodness of God. We can't. It's not about us measuring up first and then I can walk through the doors of the church. It's not about us measuring up and then I can engage in serving. It's not about us measuring up and then I can take a step towards God. No, you're never going to be enough. It's not about you being enough. It's about Jesus was enough for you. He was enough for your life. It wasn't the measurement of how much someone else sacrificed for you who was a human being or how much you can do. No, it was about how much God sacrificed for us. P.T. Forsyth says this, Christianity is not the sacrifice we make, but the sacrifice we trust. It's not the sacrifice we make to get to God, but the sacrifice we trust. It's what's been done already that gives us access. As Hebrews says, by the blood of Jesus that was shed, I can walk into the throne of our gracious God and I can worship you. Yes, I was a sinner. Yes, I stuffed up. Yes, I've made mistakes. Who hasn't in this life? But don't let the devil stop you from walking under the blood of Jesus Christ to enter His presence, to enter freedom. And to wholeness through His grace, through His mercy. See, this is what God has for us all. If the sacrifice of Jesus was good enough to save us, then the sacrifice of Jesus is good enough to forgive us at any moment when we sin. 
whether you've been saved for 10 years, 20 years, it's still the same sacrifice. It's not like it had to be an extra one because I've been saved for 20 years. Jesus, you should have, did you do a bit more? No, no, there's still enough. It's still enough. The same sacrifice that saved you is the same sacrifice that will sustain you. Same for me, same for you. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the merit of what He has done, not the merit of what I can do to gain His acceptance. Now on the other side of that is once we gain that acceptance, then we can go on the journey through His grace and Holy Spirit of sanctification. See, David said these words. You know, at the end of Psalm 51, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, that's a heart of a man that says, you know what? I'm monumentally messed up, but I never want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. And sometimes, man, we can, we can go out and we can come in. We can go out and we can come in. We can go out and Jesus is still there, ready to forgive. But I want to, I want to say today, at one point, it's only up to you and me when we're going to stop that cycle. It's only up to, to your life. When that cycle ends. Because it's the same sacrifice that Jesus has shed His blood that sustains you throughout your Christian walk. And so what we've got to understand is to say, God, I cannot get over temptation myself. You ever tried to not think of a pink elephant? Think of a pink elephant. I get, no one in this room ever think of a pink elephant. What are you thinking of right now? A pink elephant. If you're trying to stop yourself from the temptations around your life on your own strength, you're never going to succeed. Because it's not about me, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to. No, no, it's about your life being filled of what you're being, coming into the presence of God and what's infilling your life rather than what you're trying to stay away from. The only way we're going to get over temptation and get over sin and get over, like David, it was lust that grabbed him. Sometimes it's gossip. Sometimes it's, it's just the issues of this world because it pulls at our lives and those things can drag us sometimes. But the only thing that's going to change us is the heart of worship. To come before Jesus and say, my heart is open and Lord, I want my life filled with you. And Lord, I know I may, I may still mess up at times and make mistakes, but I'm going to keep on coming back in repentance. See, true repentance is taking steps closer to Jesus. So Lord, I want to be more like you. Renew in me a right spirit. A right spirit. You know what a right spirit is? Lord, I want to be right standing with you. I don't know how to do that on my own. So I'm going to get into community. I'm going to get into a life group of people that are like-minded and love Jesus and can help me get through some of the things that I'm struggling with in my life. If I don't understand Jesus and I don't understand what's going on, man, the next Alpha course, I'm going to it. I'm going. I'm going to, I'm going to learn. I'm going to understand. I'm going to take steps toward Jesus. Hey, it's up to you and me. It's up to us what we choose to do. Creating me a clean heart means, Lord, I can't get a clean heart without you. And I've got to take steps toward you. And I want to encourage you today. One of the greatest ways that we get stronger in God is in community. In community. Because together we are better. We're stronger on mission together. We encourage each other. We can strengthen each other. And I want to encourage you. If you're not in a life group today, find one. There's one just for you.
Find a life group that you can get involved in because not only are you going to be encouraged to get strong in God, but you're going to encourage someone beside you to get strong in God as well because we're all praying for each other. We're standing together in unity. We're believing God together. And man, I, I, I think sometimes some people that aren't in community like that, when something goes on, they, they're, they're in isolation and nobody knows that they're struggling. Nobody knows that they're going through stuff. Why? Because they're in isolation. One of the worst things you can ever do. But man, in community, you can move through struggles so much quicker. Why? Because you know, man, I'm around people that, that are praying for me. I'm around people that actually genuinely love me and they're trying to help me through. Man, I, this is the best life. This is what Christianity was meant to be. Now, is that community perfect? No. It's not perfect. You're going to have to forgive people at times. You're going to have to move through the, the annoying comments that some people make. You're going to have to move through stuff because that's what community is all about. But if we're getting bigger and we're moving forward, then man, if I'm having to forgive someone at some point in my life, someone's going to have to forgive me too. Hello? That's what community is all about. But that's the process of us going on a journey with Jesus. The second thing, that I believe God wants us to have when it comes to living between the flags is having peace in the present. Peace in the present. Peace from our past. Philippians 4, 4 to 7 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you today, there's a lot of things that try to rob us of peace in this life. Our past and sin like David said, can be like a plague before us. My sin is always before me and it can rob us of our peace. Sometimes it may not be that. We could be good in that area with God. It could be stress. It could be just issues with family. It could be worry and doubt in our lives. It could be financial issues. It could be all sorts of different things that can rob us of our peace and rob us of our joy in our lives. And I want to let you know tonight that the truth of the matter is, is that whatever we feed will grow in our lives. Whatever we feed is going to grow in our lives. You know, I've got, I've got a dog. Her name's Andy. She's really cool. She's a good dog. She loves running with me. Yeah, sometimes I don't get to run with her every day. But when she does, she's the happiest dog in the world. But, you know, when we feed her of an afternoon uh, in a morning, um, part of... Her, her, her food, she gets a little bit of meat, which is cool, she likes that, and she gets these dog food pellets, all right, so we put that out for her, and she's happy as a pig in mud, eating her food, and, uh, but one day, not so long ago, we put out her food for her, and she's eating away, and then this magpie turned up, out of nowhere, it just rocks up, hanging around, watching Andy eat the food, and uh, Andy finished, and there's still some pellets in there, and it's kind of like, magpies, you ever notice magpies hop, they I give it these ones, and it just and it just kind of like just chilling, waiting for the dog, and then the dog finishes like, hello, <laughs> comes over and starts pecking away at the food, and I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? Look at that magpie, that's cool. I got to tell you, man. Three days later, guess what? There are 15 magpies hanging around, waiting for food. 
Now I'm talking, we have a brood of magpies that live in our backyard to this day. All right, Andy loves it because she gets to chase them all day. But, you know, at the end of the day, like there's like 15 up to 20 magpies hanging around. Sometimes we haven't gotten to feeding the dog in the morning and I'm looking, we're making sure the kids are fed and I look at the back glass window there and man, there's just these magpies just hanging there like this. <laughs> all just lined up. And there's always one at the end. I'm not kidding. Always one at the end. It's like this, just watching me. And he gives it these ones. And he's like, I'm like, and it's kind of like him saying, stop, give us some food. Yeah. And, uh, and like every day, they're there, they're waiting. Why? Because whatever you feed is going to grow. Whatever you feed is going to grow. I got to stop feeding the magpies in my backyard. I don't know how we're going to do this. But they become pets as well. But I want to tell you today that sometimes there can be worry, stress, our past, a whole bunch of magpies hanging around our lives that we just keep on throwing pellets to all the time. We just keep feeding it all the time. Whatever we feed, whatever we magnify grows. And those things are taking our attention, taking our life, really, taking our joy, our peace, our hope. And that's not the way God wants us to live. See, you know, Jesus in Christianity doesn't offer us, like Buddha, the 10 steps to enlightenment. That's what he offers. There's not the 10 steps to peace. And oftentimes we, we look at and we think, oh, you know, we can go into a, a bookstore and you can find, man, there's self-help books everywhere, like lining the place. It's all sorts of things that can help you get your life right. I want to tell you the thing that Jesus offers us. You know what he offers us? He offers us himself. That's what he offers. The Bible says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I, everyone say I, I will give you rest. Jesus simply says, come to me. Come to me. See, we were created for worship. Whether you are a, a Christian today, or you're just checking church out, or whatever it may be, we, I want you to let, to let you know tonight that God, He created us to worship. And we'll always worship something. It could, be, it could be your career. It could be the latest, greatest thing that's in your life. It could be money. It could be your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It could be all sorts of things. But there'll always be something that'll capture our heart. And we... Oftentimes, as human beings, try to get men, man-made things to fill the space that only God can. And we wonder why we have no peace. We wonder why we lack joy. Even for some Christians, we wonder why. Because we're trying to fill a God-shaped hole with something that was never meant to be there. Because we were designed to worship. A lot of times when those, those worries, those fears, those things that are going on in our lives and thinking, man, what's going to make me feel better? What's going to make me feel accepted? What's going to make me feel those things? I want to tell you today, our identity, our life, our peace, our joy, it's got to be found in Jesus first. See, our relationships with others are fulfilled when our relationship with Jesus is where it should be. 
Our financial world and stewardship is blessed and it's where it needs to be when our relationship with God is where it should be. Because suddenly we start to see things with wisdom and we can make changes in our lives. See, a lot of times we can look and think, man, how come these things aren't fulfilling me? How come I'm not, it was supposed to, man, I've seen so many people enter relationships and think, man, this, this guy, he is going to be the bee's knees. He's going to make me feel so good. And then suddenly after six months, he ain't as funny as he used to be. Because men, people, stuff can't fill what only God can. And it doesn't mean we can't have relationships. I'd love it. Get married. Have kids, you know, move forward. It's all good. It's good. But don't look to another human being to fill your life the only way that God can. It's not going to be fulfilling. See, it's Jesus first, and then that relationship becomes fulfilled. Why? Because I become a whole person in Him, and then my relationship is fulfilled. You hearing what I'm saying tonight? But we often get that out of place. And so God wants us to come first to him and find that peace, find that strength, find that joy with Jesus. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I, Jesus, I will give you rest. Craig Rochelle said this, but just as your body needs sleep, your soul needs time to rest in God. Sometimes we get so busy doing that we forget to be in the presence of God. Every day, we've got to make a decision. God, I'm going to carve out time in my day to make sure that I can be in your presence, that I can come to you. When I'm weary and heavy laden, when I've got stresses, I've got burdens, maybe it's my past that keeps dictating to me, but Lord, I'm coming into your presence. I'm coming to you. I'm fellowshipping with you, Lord. I'm finding that with other people in church and life. I'm moving forward, Lord God. I'm finding that, that peace and that joy with you. See, I love the story of David because when you read through 2 Samuel, you can see after David had monumentally stuffed up and Nathan had pointed it on him, then he went into a place of fasting before God. There were consequences for his sin, and oftentimes there is. There's consequences for, for sin. All right, and he and he and he felt the weight of that consequence because of the decisions that he made. But I want to tell you that it never stopped David from coming back to God. It never stopped him. Because once the consequence had moved, had, had, had happened, the Bible says he got up, he went and had a bath, put fresh clothes on, and he went into the tabernacle and worshipped. You know what that means is? He got up, he got dressed, had a shower, got dressed, went to church and worshipped. So many things that happened in our lives, like my friend, my relative who was far from God, she thought, man, I can't come back. I can't come back. They'll judge me. I, I don't know if I can. But man, look at what David did. Everyone's watching him. He's the king. And everyone found out what he did. But man, he got up, he got into his best clothes, and he went to church and he worshipped. He worshipped. He knew, man, I ain't going to find any other life outside of you, Lord. And I'm going to live with that, the decision I made. But God, I know that my forgiveness and my hope and my joy is found in you. If I'm ever going to know peace again and not have this sin always before me, I've got to come into your presence. I've got to know how to worship again. And that's what he did. He got up 
very next verse. I just love it. He gets up, gets dressed, goes to church and worships. How powerful is that? See, for people tonight, maybe there's some here and and you can identify with what I was saying tonight because you feel like, man, my sin is always before me. Just can't get rid of it. Can't move on from it. And we're going to give you an opportunity tonight where you can, you in your heart, you can know Jesus. Pastor Nick's going to lead us in that a little later on. Where you can come and find a relationship and a hope with Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight you're, you're a Christian and you've been a Christian a long time, but you know there's past things that just keep popping up all the time. All the time and you're just like, you can't seem to move forward. You feel like you're anchored. We want to pray with you tonight. You want to believe God that those things can be broken from your life and you can walk free from that. Maybe there's stresses around your life and you're just in a place right now where there's just there's so many things just bombarded. You're feeling, feeling weary in your walk with God. You just need a fresh touch of the presence of God. We're going to worship in a few moments. I want you to open up your heart because whenever you reach out to God like David, he went into the presence of God and God met him there. God met him there. God wants to meet you tonight. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God around your life. But why not you allow tonight to be that first step back into his presence again? Because God wants to meet you where you're at. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? 